Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor joins me to talk about writing for RPGs. We start out talking about writing tools, but then Tim gives us some insight into his process for writing adventures. Eventually, like all good gamers, we meander into the post-apocalypse. Once we start talking about Joanne Fabrics, we realize that it was time to call it a night. We didn't hold back for this episode, dear listeners, so hold on tight, because it is time to get rambling. Hello, Tim. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Pretty good. So, the other day, well, not the other day, but a while back, I ended up buying this software called Pro Writing Aid, which is, it's a lot like, probably not just a lot like, it's very much like Grammarly. And, uh... So one of the reasons I did that was um, I was on Facebook looking for some proofreaders and um, a writing uh, writer friend of mine, she writes fiction and she's really smart. Probably a person I need to actually talk more to, but she, uh, she, uh, very smart gal, very mathematically minded, does novels, her kids writes novels. And, and so she said, you know what, look at pro writing aid and there's no reason, reason for paying people for doing things uh, that you can do for yourself. And so I still determined that I was going to need a, a copy editor because I just don't, I just know that there's things that this won't, but you right. know, the, the one thing I did find is that because um, I myself am not a strong writer, you know, I can, I can do serviceable writing. And I felt it was, was a, um, is a good direction for me to, to just just to clean up, you know, especially a lot of the, the rookie mistakes. But one of the things I found was that um, it, it takes me a long time to write because I, I'm not very straightforward. I just write a bunch of stuff and then I edit it and I re-edit it and I re-edit it and I think it's good and, and it's not. And and so then when I found I put it into this from a writing aid, it also just like, I, I thought it would speed things up, but it actually slows things down because it, it starts saying, you know what? You use a lot of L-Y, words ending in L-Y. It's mm. just not very good. Or, you know, and the thing I've been very strong about even beforehand is trying to keep out the passive voice, but that's always something to, to try and work on. But yeah. uh, anyway, it's kind of been both a, a blessing and a curse both. But so you, you've been writing for uh, years and years and years. Yeah. And it seems to me uh, from my assumptions, which may be completely wrong, and I, I think I look at people when I look at their their uh, blog posts and people that would post, you know, uh, consistently, you know, fairly long uh, amounts of words. I figure, you know, uh, you're comfortable with writing. Yeah, I am. Yeah, these days so, anymore. Yeah. So, what do you what do you use? Do you is there anything that you use for? Um, you know, tightening up the writing or to check things, or are you pretty comfortable with what you got or what's your thought on utilizing things like Grammarly or uh, pro writing aid? I, th- I definitely think there's a place for it. Personally, I use my wife <laughs> as the, you know, number one set of eyes for me and, um, or just friends who just, uh, you know, you have a group of friends that you, you can hand it out to them and, um, Coming from a, I should back up a little bit, coming from a fiction background when I used to write short stories, one of the most dangerous things is giving it to, giving it out too early 
for the public to look at and consume. Right. Then you'll you'll never complete what you're writing then if that happens because everybody's going to have a different idea where you're going to go. But if you can, like, uh, I believe it was Stephen King, you, the first draft is behind closed doors. The second draft, you open up the door and you give it to trusted readers. And then sometimes you ask for specific feedbacks on some things. You just don't give them carte blanche on everything. Right. right away. You kind of want to direct the criticisms. But if they, if they find out, you know, find some things that are inconsistent or blaring, uh, glaring um, uh, errors, then you definitely want to hear about those. But these programs, I think they're good, but they'll never replace those readers. Oh, no. no. You know, I mean, they're, I mean they're, they might be able to get you to your second draft, help you get to your second draft a little bit better, but they're not going to help you get to your polished product. You see what I'm saying? So right. I think they're good for fir- between first and second drafts, but once you get past the second draft, then you just need to have those guys. I use, there's a program online, it's just a free program called the Hemingway app. And it's just basically you just paste and copy it in there and it it breaks it down into adverbs. Those are your, you know, dreaded LYs things, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 The the finger wag. Does he get like a finger wag icon? Yeah. Well, every time I I see that, it's like my old um, uh, writing teacher back from college used to say it was a weak tool for a weak mind. So it kind of beats the crap out of you if you know you get that you know in your head and everything and it kind of so what Hemingway does is it gives you the readability grade level right gives you word count adverbs passive voice sometimes they propose simpler alternatives to what you've written yeah I find, I find those kind of useless because a lot I, I don't know just the way they word it. it's like yeah it's simple but it's now the sentence doesn't make any sense and then they'll say like 11 of the sent or so many sentences are hard to read or very hard to read. So they have these different levels. And usually those go into run on sentences or compound sentences where you're just kind of, it definitely favors short, simple sentences, you know, those kind of programs. Yeah. And I think, but I, and I think those tend to be the most I, gen, gen, generally tend to be, I think, more digestible for people. Well, that's what I write. Is I prefer short, simple. If if you've ever read most of my stuff, I don't. I'm not a verbose or Gygaxian verbiage yeah. kind of guy. I, I try piercing this uh, plate armor of prose. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just I just try to keep it kind of simple, and I because I I like to keep <laughs> the, on the thing on the readability level. I like to keep it to the grade school level. Yeah. You know. I mean, sometimes I'll throw in some. You know nickel words and everything but that's about as fancy and, but as i don't i mean i think when you aim at that i i don't think it's 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 thinking that you know i'm I'm dumbing things down but really no. what it's doing is you, you know persons at the table they need to digest information you know fairly quickly mm-hmm. and so i think that the, the easier reading level probably facilitates that a little bit better or somebody skimming a book mm-hmm. because what we're doing is different than what hemingway is tending right absolutely well yeah i mean yeah but we're still trying to trying to write something for people that will understand and enjoy reading. So in that way, right. we're so it's same. kind of similar between Hemingway and a textbook. Yeah. We're kind of, we're in that weird area. We, yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of framing a story, but we're not telling the story. We're just kind of say, here you go, DM, here's a place or a situation and some, 
characters, but we're not gonna tell you exactly what they are gonna do or how they're gonna react so much, but we'll give you some hints on personality and then it'll be up to you to actually go with it. So yeah, we're, we're it's almost like building props for a play and then writing the names down for characters of the play and then giving them some personality quirks and telling them maybe how many acts there's going to be. And then you give it to the director and then they just kind of make their play from the things that we Yeah, it's kind of like screenwriting, I guess, in, in mm. that regard. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, I guess, analogies you could make to it. It is, but, but, there is, but there's nothing else like it though at the same time. Exactly. There really isn't. Yeah. Because it's really easy, especially when you're writing an adventure to go into passive voice because you're usually. Well, we all speak in the passive voice. Yes. And it's then it's natural. And we're usually explaining something. We're not, we're telling something instead of showing something. Right. A lot of times uh, when we're, and that's the trick. Are you, are you have to do the balance of writing for the GM and then writing for the players. Cause that's two different things going on. So you're always balancing that. Okay. I'm telling the GM, maybe suggest this, maybe here's this going on, this going on, but then you're writing hopefully some stuff for the players to really get their imagination going and they're showing them stuff. So one of the things I found that I was doing, at least it, this software wasn't calling it out directly, Mm -hmm. But I think I would kind of, um, I would kind of, um, I don't say legally, like instead of saying something happens, I say usually this happens or mostly this happens. And I started thinking about, it's like, you know, I started saying the outlies, but I started thinking, why not, why do I just, why not just remove it? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying that this happens most of the time, this just happens. Yes. It's very, it's very clear. The GM doesn't have to think, well, is this a scenario where this happens? Like, no. Right. Somebody enters the door this will happen. Yeah. I do you the know. same thing, Jeff. I call them call. I call them qualifiers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I do, I have to go through when I write my first draft, I I'm like, my, my first draft's littered with those things. <laughs> okay. A, I feel it, better. Yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> even like, now I, I, and I know that I do it, but when I still write, when I write my first draft though, I don't want to, I don't want to edit myself. You just got to write and get it. You got to puke it all out. Yeah. Just got to get it out there you know, have your, and just have fun with it. Just kind of, you know, riff on it. Like, you know, you're, you're the best guitar player in the world and then you got a solo going on and just go to crazy town on it and then worry about, you know, going back and. Yeah. Start. Cause I think it, it, your brain, you're thinking your brain's working differently creation when it's creating than it is when it's editing. It's yeah. a different type of mind thinking and you can't be both at the same time effectively. I don't, there's some writers that can do that. Like, um, like, uh, what was his name? Kurt Vonnegut and like Dean Koontz, they wrote a page. They didn't finish that page until it was perfect. And they wouldn't go on to the next one until it was done. I can't, I can't do that. Most people can't do that, you know, because <laughs> if that's, that would just stop my creative flow. And then I would kind of, you know, I, I can't always just sit down and get into that creative flow. Sometimes you just get into that groove and you just got to go with it during. Yeah. But they just may be savants as far as that. Well, absolutely. Thing goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. yeah no doubt. Yeah. It's, yeah. They can just uh, have that ability to, you know, uh, kind of do, I'm sure when Vonnegut was doing it, you know, he probably didn't have to fix that much anyways when he was doing it. Probably for him, it was a lot, but yeah. Uh, um, but it's it's interesting the writing process with that uh, 
having to how many little different things go on and how many skills you have to use when you're writing even though it's all writing i i couldn't even count how many different little nuances of skills you're using during your process during the different phases because there's all so much going on in different the different ways like what do you mean well like in your first phase like the first draft you just that is your you know that is what everybody dreams of that creative high where you just get an idea and you run with it and everybody loves that part you know they're like i said they're they're doing their solo on stage and going crazy and you know if they miss a note who cares you know it's the old uh it was a beethoven you know it's it's yeah, uh, it's okay to miss a note, but to play without passion is unforgivable. And, you know, that's your time to just kind of to do that. But then when you get into that second stage, then you got to start getting into your technical writing phase and you got to start um, um, cleaning up your pros and getting out the qualifiers and misspellings and, and uh, make sure things are in logical order. Because I know when I write sometimes in my head, it makes sense, but when I write it, it's not always in logical order or be it's like, wait, this paragraph needs to be up here to make more sense. You know, you get an overall picture yes. kind of thing. And then when you get into like the, the final stage, that's where you start using a bit of your, I think, plotting and creativity where you're linking things together. Sometimes you see themes or connections that you might have not seen to begin with, but then you can start interweaving things that maybe you didn't see in the beginning that fixes to the end and and you just use your words like threads and just kind of interconnect them and that way they they're, they're tighter you know you, you you the fabric of the story or the adventure becomes a little bit tighter and a little bit more refined and and uh just has that texture to it now where before it was just two-dimensional when you hit that stage you can start making it three-dimensional I don't so, know if that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess the question is, so, I mean, you're talking about adventure. So I think in the beginning, you already have something solidified in your mind, right? Before you start, you've sketched out, this is the genera, generic A, B, C, D, and these are the generic things. Then you sit down and write. No. No? No. You start I writing don't. adventure? I, I, I do it in so many different ways. I couldn't even tell you how many different ways I start. Sometimes I have that idea. It's like, oh, I got this... I uh, got this general idea of the whole thing. I know it's how it's going to begin, middle, end, know the whole thing. Most of the time, though, I'll get down and I'll sit at my keyboard and I'll just start writing. And sometimes they have no, what do you want to call it, uh, props or cues or anything for me. I'm just kind of going, I'm, it's, a, it's an old fiction trick, too. Like, you just write. And then eventually you start hitting on something. Sometimes it's not till the second page or the third page, but you kind of have to get through the garbage before uh, you get to the good stuff. I'm sorry, my dog's throwing a little fit behind me. Right now. Um, she, <laughs> <laughs> the dog needs attention, huh? Yeah, she's, I gave her two bones and apparently she finished them and now she's throwing her fit. <laughs> Yeah, that's bug. Everybody who's adventured with me, she they've all heard her behind me. So it calls for a wolf random encounter when I when she does that. <laughs> so that's what I usually say. No you matter guys, what game you're in, you're right. in Star Wars Wolf. You're playing yeah. uh Call of Cthulhu Legend Wolf. It's, exactly. Uh, it's all all that. How'd this wolf wind up in space? I, I don't know. I'm not right. here to explain that. They're just a wolf. <laughs> but sometimes I use a lot of props. I get cards. Like I I'm a junkie for like like 
those i think well you were talking about stars or no worlds without numbers and there was yes. like a of tables and inspiration i have my favorite gaming book is the the uh, uh tome of adventure by matt finch and that has a ton of props and you know the, to get you going i should have picked that up during the drive-through uh gm sale because that was on sale yeah i mean um i would always yeah, I mean the the PDF for that is pretty good, but I mean having the book, it's a beautiful book too. It's it's really nice. But you can also get the smaller one too because it's actually in different sections. And that and sometimes I prefer using that because it's small and if I'm going somewhere, I don't have to take a seven pound book and I can just take a you know a quarter pound paperback with me some some places and that. But I use tarot cards. I use uh, random generators online. I'll steal from other people's adventures. Maybe I'll see, uh, you know, read a room and, and, and I'm like, oh yeah, I really like that. And then I'll take that room, put it in my adventure, use that as my beginning point, write about it, kind of rewrite it my own way. But then, then, then I kind of use that as my seed to grow the rest of adventure from. So when I sit down to write, I, I use so many different ways to get inspired or to create or because not one way catches that other ways might not sometimes. So I just uh, uh, try to give myself as many options as possible to start, start an adventure. So I guess the question is then, but you do still see it in, in distinct stages though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you fill in, you fill in, you say, okay, the, the the stage one is done. Right. Now I'm ready to do stage two. Yep. Yeah. Stage one is just basically when you get your first draft done and you get, your, you know, you've, I finished writing whatever I was going to write. That doesn't mean, you know, I think some people get confused with any, with writing period where they get that first draft done and they kind of think they're done. It's like, no, 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 no. The real work starts now. Right. Yeah. You, you, you've done the fun and easy part. Now the work, now, now the heavy lifting starts. And uh, you got to get in there and start scraping off all the crud and shoveling out all the shit and <laughs> get it. And as my wife goes, she's like, oh, no, it's really good. I'm just getting rid of all the crappy parts, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so she, she says that often, too often sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, it just seems like I don't I kind of wish I could do things that way. It just doesn't mm -hmm. it seems like I have to get it depends on what I'm writing, but it seems like I have to get into a mode of not thinking about it. Right. And it's a strange thing. And it's hard if I'm not in that mode where I cannot think about it, then I can do it. It depends on how creative some stuff I can just to say, you know what, stop. Sometimes I have to get in more creative space. Other times I can just, just, just do it. I don't even think about it. Right. And I'm usually can do that. The problem is I can't necessarily do that all the time. I can't either Jeff, but it's, Writing for me, I've always called it a craft instead of an art, because to me, I think if you're going to get good at writing, it's one of those things you can't wait to get inspired. You just have to sit your butt in your chair right. and write. And I and I do that. So all I have, I mean, I I don't know, I probably write what about twenty hours a week or fifteen to twenty hours a week. Um, and it's because it's important to me and it's something I want to do. And it helps me. I mean, I, I, it, it, I really enjoy doing the work. Even if I write complete crap for the day, I wouldn't have it any other way. 
You know, I, I, I enjoy my time when I'm creating. And, and I, even if it is crap, I'll, I'll throw it to the side and I'll, I'll go back to it. And sometimes I'm like, well, this isn't, this isn't that bad, or I can use this for this, or I can, you know, maybe I'll part it out, <laughs> you know, using a mechanic and I'll part out the, 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 maybe the adventure I wrote and use it for other adventures or something along those lines. But I think if you, you get, if you want to do it, no, I think you just have to, even if you're not in the mood at all, I think, you know, there's some tricks that can help you. Like I, like I said, reading a, someone else's adventure and you start copying their adventure word for word. And I guarantee you, before you get past that first page, your own words are going to start coming out. Okay. That's a good, that's a good thing to remember. Yeah. I know for me, sometimes it's just, you just, you just do it. You just say, I don't care. You're going to sit your butt down. You, yep. you only have an hour. Just do it for an hour. Exactly. Yeah. But what helps me, I think, is because I have a number of things going on and each are in different like kind of stages. So if I don't feel like I can creatively write, I can throw something into say pro writing aid. Exactly. And then I can systematically go fix out all the all the all the the, the comma errors and the mm -hmm. re rewriting. Cause it because I find that type of editing takes a different part of the brain. Yep. And it seems like I can do that at other times. And there's other times where it just about makes me crazy to, to do the editing. That's exactly it. I, I mean, I have I have a whole folder on my desktop. It's it's called my WIP folder. You know, my works in progress. Yeah. And it's just full of half written, partially written adventures or ideas or NPCs. So when I hit that, where it just seems like I'm banging my head with the creative part of it, sometimes I can go in there and hook onto that, or I can edit something, like you said. I just do another part of that job. Like I said, there's so many different skills that you apply to your writing. Some days that creative skill is not going to be working and you need to be working more on your editing and polishing and, and use that while you have that ability and um, try to clean up as much as you can during that time. You know, it's, it's, it's good to have different pieces of work at different stages because just for, from your example, you can you can just jump onto another project and still be productive during that time. I also find that one issue that I think that slows me down. So, so I shared with you the other day. I was working on a on a on a bestiary for a post apocalyptic yeah. game. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's like I kind of know what I want to do, and then I write it out, and it's like, well, that's still not exactly what I want. So I start taking elements, kind of like you said before about refine. You know, there's an amount of refining and seeing what's there. But it seems like I can't really figure out what I really want to do until I write it. Right. And it just takes such a long time to actually understand what I really want because I really don't know what I want. I think I know what I want, mm -hmm. but I keep looking at it. It's like that's not what I want. No, no, yeah. I mean, that's that's the part. Of it. Hopefully, you enjoy that part. No, no, I can, no. no I if I never had to write again, I'd be all right. With that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still doing it. I mean, nobody says you had to write it, but yet you see. Yeah, well, that's the only way I get stuff done. I can't. Yeah. I tried to Tom Sawyer my way through so much stuff, and it doesn't work. I'm not Tom Sawyer. <laughs> right. Nobody will paint that fence for me. Nobody's going to paint that fence. <laughs> no, no. I've tried several things to varying effect. But what's happened is, is I got a couple other projects where I got people saying, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And they never, and they do to a certain degree. But mm -hmm. what I found is, you know what? I would not have, and I, so I'm solely doing the whole thing, right. but I would not have done it if they hadn't said, Hey, I want to do this. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, they, they didn't, but I have to do it. So it has to be done. 
you know, that's just the muse that's, you know, has the spurs, you know, dri- driven into my brain. Right. And I will suffer until I do it. If I don't do it, then I'll just, it'll continually bug me. And once it's done, whatever it's done, it's okay. It could be, it can be bad. It doesn't matter. It's done. It's done right. until that point. So that's why I'm writing. I'm writing because I need to write in order to get this thing produced. I'd rather be doing layouts, but I'd rather be doing. So, so, I, so, so layouts is, I mean, that's a wonderful skill to have though, too. I mean, that's. I know, but I'm spending uh, uh, 90% of my time writing. 90%. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get, to, I mean, I guess if I had to spend 90% of my time, I don't know, you know, drawing art, because uh, I know I'm horrible horrible at drawing pictures and uh if i had to just draw horrible pictures or do something i I don't know like eat peas for 90 percent of my time i would hate it so yeah yeah i I won't say that i I hate writing but it's definitely not you know but i will say that but it's helped me understand what i want you know Mm -hmm. and the problem is i think directing people it's like you know people want more direction too on some things but it's like well i don't really know you know like you know, doing a hex map. Now, that's the other thing we're doing is, is writing up hexes. It's like, I'm not exactly sure. You know, I keep kind of changing and adding, but it's like I need to actually write up these hexes in order to understand the format that I want. Sure. Because, like, even going back with the bestiary, it's like I, I want to, to do kind of have an ecology for the creature. And then I also decided I wanted to have some sort of utility. Like, because of post-apocalyptic, it seems like, you know, there ought to be some – uh, um, use for it other than just killing it, right? Right. Yeah. You're because in post-apocalyptic, it's all about the salvage. You know, yeah, salvage exactly. from everything. You know, yeah. Even from yeah, from from critters. Yeah. And the and what I did for for that is I just took the um, so I the possible creatures. Uh, remember the video game? Which one? Impossible creatures. It's no. a Microsoft game. It came no. out like twenty years ago. And you would have this machine and you could build these creatures, but they were combinations of two existing creatures. Oh, okay. So you could make a a, a, uh, a dolphin bombardier beetle that would you could use to um, swim around, but then it could shoot artillery. Or you could get a, a combine a, a elephant with a termite and have this flying thing that could just, just tear into stuff. Okay. So, did so they for fight the post- each other or something like that? So you would be fighting somebody else who would be doing the same oh, sort of okay. thing. Oh, okay. So you're making your own thing and then – okay, that's – oh, that's that sounds interesting. Yeah. So whether you made it a termite whale or a, or a termite elephant or an elephant termite, you could kind of go, I think, different ways if I recall correctly. But it was just – so what I did is I just took uh, – went to the possible creatures and then I uh, took the list of creatures and I took a spreadsheet – and I randomized and created that. Plus, I created some other little things to, to do it. So the, right. I created these random creature generators for all the prompts. Oh, then I started thinking, okay, this is this is a walking stick combined with a vulture. All right. So okay, well, what what you know? So it's like when I take the what part is a walking stick and what part is a vulture, mm-hmm. you know? And so that that's kind of been kind of fun. Um, but I also, you know, because they're creatures, then you can think, oh, what would be the ecology of a creature in an environment rather than right. just it's a monster? And then then how would that interact with things? But, but I mean, that, even that whole way of thinking just took me a while to to get to that point of, of format. I think I finally, after 
multiple revisions and revisions, and then thinking everything's fine, I drop it into pro writing aid and I pull my hair out because it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're that was a little fun doing that though, you know. And yeah, but the amount of hours I started thinking, you know, like first I was thinking, like, you know, how many if I were to sell this. Like what would be my, my you know the 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 how much money per word how they go right. and I'm thinking, I'm thinking I went from like three cents down to I'm probably like you know point zero one cent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like right. this, is, this is completely inefficient. The the ink is costing you more than what you're going to make back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But okay. I think the thing is what I'm hoping is because I'm going through this whole I want to do I think a reoccurring zine. But I think once I get the format figured out, then the efficiency will kick in. Right. I just think that, yeah, you, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know your history, Jeff, but I think um, you probably haven't written in for this for very long or, you know, I mean, had you have a history of writing for this kind of stuff? No. At all? So, yeah. So that's, that's going to come. I mean, once you start getting into it, you know, you're going to know what's going to work for you. You know, what's not going to work for you. And like you said, you're going to get it more efficient and you're going to be able to play on your strengths and then develop those skills where, you know, uh, you can oh, like get things done by using these other skills, even though these skills don't directly apply to it. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but, you know, you're able to adjust and adapt a lot easier. So the other thing I'm doing is I created, so for special attacks, Okay. I tried to. I'm trying to come up with a systematic way. Then I can just copy and paste. So if something's got the ability to grab, they're all grab abilities. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I think once I standardize that, the other thing is if I were to change systems, uh, it's all standardized, and I should be able to keep a similar consistent way across the board. Sure. So that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so do you have a system that you're directly writing for now no but yes no. i'm this is definitely an osr ish you know it's got the hit points right i don't know the hit points it's got the hit die i'm keeping the damage you know roughly 1d6 1d8 maybe you know just a similar for mm -hmm. armor class i decided not to do armor class because there's about what three or four different ways of doing it so i'm just saying armor it's it's leather armor or it's chainmail, gotcha. and that okay. way you can say whatever system you're using, you should know what chainmail is. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. No, I like. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's that's smart. I, I never thought about doing something like that. That's good. So I think if I keep the terminology uh, the same, so I'm trying mm -hmm. to keep the terminology for different things like stunned or grasped or things like that the same. So then if I go to say into uh, like a um, cipher system then I can use that same terminology, define the terminology, and then it should just plug in correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, you definitely um, have that easy adaptability across the board that way then too, yeah. It's hard to serve a lot of masters though at, at the same time. <laughs> it's it's Because I know when I first started writing, I was struggling on which system I was going to use. Cause I think back when I was writing my first adventure for publication at, uh, was, uh, it was swords and wizardry. And of course, I think they had like two versions. They had core and then complete. And then we had, um, white, you know, the white box. And then you had, uh, 
Labyrinth Lord, Osric, Castles and Crusades, and probably a couple other ones I'm, I'm not remembering right now. And I'm like, well, if I write for Labyrinth Lord, then the Swords and Wizardry crowd isn't going to want it. And, you know, and, then I, and I kept second guessing myself with that. And I've just found through the years, if I just dedicated to myself to one system and just kind of did it that way, just pick the one I like the best. Don't worry about what everybody else likes because it's just going to happen. It just helped me focus my my writing and I didn't have to think about how it went across, if you know what I mean, or how yeah. other things went. And, and, and I found when I did that, people who played Labyrinth Lord would go to Swords and Wizards, you know, they're going to buy Swords and Wizards. There's not a huge amount of difference and the adaptability is very swift and everything. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult, but that definitely helped me when I was doing that kind of stuff, when I finally just settled down and said, okay, um, like right now, all my stuff is for old school essentials. I always try to, even though sometimes their stat block drives me nuts because um, I'm not a big fan of the five saves. I like I like the three saves where it's just based on like, you know, uh, I think strength, dex, and will or something like that. I, I prefer that system. And I can't stand descending armor class because I just think it's, I don't know. I just don't like it anymore. I didn't. I didn't like. It. I didn't like it back in the seventies. It just didn't make it. Didn't make any sense back then either. I but mean, we just didn't question it, right? Right. At least it, we didn't. It was our only. It was the only option back then. You, you or, get the, the the DM screen out. Yeah. And then you get your chart out. You get your you matrix. Start rolling. Yeah, yeah. Just follow your finger. You're at six level. Never three. question it. No. But you know, just put the ascending armor class. But you know, I don't mind adding all the doodads that's required for OSE if that keeps me focused. Because I don't want to be thinking about the rule system while I'm writing an adventure that much. Yes. You know, I don't. I I want to just be able to keep as much focus on it. And then I'll give you another one of my other big writing tips. And this one comes from Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I don't know. He's the one who wrote 100 Years of Solitude. No idea. Cumberland. Nobel Prize thing oh. back in the 19th, it's 1970, it's a while ago. But he, he wrote, what he did to, to help himself is he wrote to his grandmother. He wrote these, he always pictured someone across the table from him and that's who he wrote his stories to, that one person. So you would always pick one person. So like when I write an adventure, I think of one of my friends and I'm actually writing this adventure for one of my friends and writing it because I think they think they would, it would be cool. And it just sort of helps because I'm, I always think, well, maybe, you know, Rob would think this is cool. So I'm adding this in and this in. and I, that, that's all I require. I'm just trying to please one person. That's a, that's a great idea. Because yeah, that definitely would, I think, I think that would probably make you more inclined to put in specifics that you normally wouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. And you might, and the thing is, is sometimes I would question myself putting things in like, you know, would, you know, maybe I shouldn't put this in here. I don't have to worry about that because I know Rob likes this. So I'm going to put it in. That's all, you know, it's, it's a simple question. Would Rob like this? Yes or no? Yes. Put it in. No, leave it out. You know, I don't have to worry and I can just focus. And then just, again, it helps me just focus directly on just writing that adventure or that particular scene or whatever. And I change people who I write it to all the time. I kind of, you know, because I like writing different types of adventures. So I'll pick, I have different people in my head that I write to. Yeah, I think at this point, I've only, 
written one one adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's definitely a lot of work. <laughs> it, it it is a it is a lot of work, but I also think like the more you do it, it's like a skill you got to develop. You know, more, more you do it, because I mean, I've written I don't know how many adventures I've written, probably close to. It's over a hundred. I don't know if it's close to two hundred now, or you know, around there. And, and but they're they're not. You know, I do a lot of micro adventures, so they're not going to be these you know thirty page novels or mega dungeon stuff. They're shorter ones, but um, I can get a lot of mileage out of those things. Well, what I found for myself is, and people have said this, and I found out for myself that it just is the uh, least of the. Um, it, it doesn't generate as much sales as other things do. Ventures are, are actually pretty hard. Yes, they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you make a toolkit, you, you have a, it's it's like those meta products always sell better. So if you're yeah. making a product about the product, <laughs> it, it'll sell better. It's, it's it, you know, so if you're writing a book about gaming, you're going to sell a lot more than if you actually sold an adventure or a setting or or whatever. But yeah, I mean, adventures are, are probably the hardest, and they're probably the most abundant of things that people can buy out there too. You know, there's no shortage of them. They're all over the place. Yeah. Cause I think is, cause I, what I did is I, I kind of, uh, did you ever play Star Frontiers? Yeah. Back when it first came out. Yeah. So did, yeah, did, did you, did you play the, uh, Volturnus? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Which were the Volturnus? Okay, so uh, so the initial um, adventure was you're on a ship, nobody has weapons, you're attacked by pirates. Yes, and yeah, you go on this desert planet. That was the only thing I've ever played in Star Frontiers. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you if you the hard part is if you go back and you you look at those adventures. And you look through the bestiary and you kind of look at how they do everything. It's not very good. It's just like, but it, but I think like with Star Frontiers, it has stuff in it that makes you want to love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with Holloway's art. <laughs> so well, I think that's it, the secret of Star Frontiers. Yeah. Well, and I, I, and it's all about context. Too. It's funny. We just had this conversation Steve C, the guy who uh, he did a, a Kickstarter, and he's it's based off a of Matt Jackson map, and he's running through it. But we, but it's kind of like a almost like a Tomb of Horrors. But they were talking about how bad Tomb of Horrors is. It's like one of the worst novel or worst adventures written. And I chimed up. I said, I think it's one of the best ones written because that's the adventure I cut my teeth on playing D and D. So it will always have that place in my heart where it is my. <laughs> my my because i think it, it's the very first product i ever bought and and me and my friend we didn't have any of the rule books because they didn't sell them where we were at we didn't have any of the dice we were just using yahtzee dice and we would take for some reason we bought the same adventure and we would just take turns running us through the adventure but because we have that perspective of it i mean that art book that comes with the tomb of the tomb of horrors is still the best one uh, you know i've ever seen i mean i still remember seeing those pictures and back then you, we didn't have 40 years of glut you know of stuff in between right 
it was like, you know, you had a very, it was a very finite market, you know, they could, in fact, they could list them all on the back of a module at the time. They used to list right. Exactly. You could yeah. go check, check, <laughs> right. check. Exactly. You know, that's one I want to get next, but I can't right. find it at my, at the train hobby store. <laughs> exactly. The airplane train hobby store. That's where I would buy them too. <laughs> they were always on the bottom level away from everything else. And, but it's, it's about that perspective of things too, because I mean, what, those guys think was the worst adventure I thought was an incredible one because it really opened up a lot of, it got my imagination, you know, it, it right. You know, so, uh, I can't remember. Like, I mean, even though the star frontiers thing wasn't that good for a lot of people, that was the best thing they ever played. Oh, I, I love it. I mean, I uh, love that, but my, in, in, in fact, you know, star frontiers, I mean, I wish I could just, I don't think the mechanics properly captured the promise that the art had. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Is it, it is, it should have been more pulpy and fun, but instead it was railroady. doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, it's yeah. like, there's a point where they have these, these, uh, I think they're called loppers or lopers. They're the, they're like a little dinosaur. I kind of remember those. Yeah. yeah, they had those octopus guys riding them. And it shows, you know, them with the spears and the, and the right. shields. And it's like, oh, that is just great. Yeah. And you can early on get one, but then, then it doesn't matter the rest of the module. Right. I'm like, you know what? Everybody should have had a dinosaur. And that should have been, <laughs> them should have been riding dinosaurs the whole time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It, like, how that is a missed opportunity? If, if you could say, you know what? You're riding dinosaurs the whole time. With lasers and spears, I mean, oh my goodness, that, that's that's gold. Like, how right. can you be so blind? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, they were they were probably learning as they went along too. They, you know, yeah. I mean, and to be fair, I mean, I don't, I'm not really mean to to rag on them, but it's just, it's just. But anyway. I was wanting to do like a Volturnus. Of course, I still can't capture it, the Flash Gordonish kind of feel that it should have. But right. I mean, my intent was to actually kind of replicate that adventure. But then I thought, no, if I'm going to do this now after uh, my my very 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 meager um, <laughs> sales of the other, it's like it would have to not be an adventure. It would have to be a like a world uh, with all these hooks and all these NPCs and situations that would also be a, uh, you could just use, pull out, put on any sort of like deserty planet, you know, that's mm -hmm. what it would need to be. Yeah. And yeah, you have to develop a setting for it. And yeah, I mean, that's a lot of work. Settings are yes, I'm not, I'm not going yeah. further with it. Right. Like, mm, okay. I like <laughs> the day. idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I get that. I, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, a lot of that stuff for, for I think, um, your adventure not selling well doesn't make it a bad adventure, though. No. No, you know. it, no it, 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 was, it was okay. I mean, it's for what it was. I had fun running it, and, mm -hmm. um, and some people um, um, enjoyed it. And there's some right. things I can go back. I'll probably go back and clean it up. I'll probably actually, so I, what I didn't have back then was pro writing aid. So I probably had to go back and <laughs> fix all my mistakes. Cause I, gotcha. I, I'm going to tell you, I really, you may look at me and think, I think Jeff understands commas, 
But I'll tell you, I apparently just don't understand comics. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got a, I've got a degree in it, and I've got, you know, been writing for things, and I, and I still write sometimes, like I'm, uh, I, I got hit in the head sixth grader kind of thing. Uh, so I mean, it just happens, and you got to be, you just got to be okay with it, and that's what editors are for. And yeah, and and I think what, because I think and this is a terrible way of doing a business. This is this is absolutely terrible. But I figure, you know what, I get something out. Uh, I get it while I'm still kind of able to to be kind of excited about it. Mm-hmm. I get to the, to the best that I could get it at that time, and yeah. I just put it out there, and I only charge a couple bucks, and I figure it is what it is. But I'll go back and fix it later, and I generally do go back eventually and fix stuff later. But yeah. but, but but anyway, it's like so there's what... been another product somebody did, and it's like yeah, there's some typos, and I took a, a, an SRD from Traveler, um, the Cephas engine. Converted to a post-apocalyptic uh, like Twilight 2000, and I I did I missed I missed like word conversions where I didn't take out spaceship you know oh gotcha you know so there's some dumb dumb stuff in there I need to go back and clean up so yeah but you know what it's like you know I'm only charging one buck for one two bucks for the other mm-hmm. I'm only getting fifty well what sixty we're getting 60. 65 cents for buck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even I haven't even got fifty dollars out of out of it. So it's like you know, to get an edit, you know, somebody to cop or do a, a, a copy edit. It's just our proofreading. It's just like there's no money to be able to do that. And yeah. it's like and you don't have any. If you don't, have, you can't just be telling everybody, hey, read this, read that, read this. There's like you know they got lives. They don't really care. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people. You just got to get ones that you trust to do it. A lot of people do it. Yeah, I've I've had people where I say, "Hey, put this out there." I say, "Give me some feedback," and, and mm. but they're strangers, okay? And they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, all oh, this is cool. Yeah. I'm gonna read it this weekend," and then nothing. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't give it to strangers. That just doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, they may mean well, but it just yeah, like I said, you've got to got to find like you know your two, three. I forgot what they call first readers. Yes. Yeah. And, and people that you trust their opinions and everything that are going to be honest with you, but, but, you know, honest with a constructive honesty. So that way it's like, Hey, this didn't work for me. Here's why, you know, uh, this was, you had something here. I really liked it, but you kind of, you know, didn't have them ride the dinosaurs. I want to see more dinosaur riding in this part. <laughs> you know, you know, why did you stop there? And, and sometimes you'll be like, Oh yeah, that is pretty good. And, and it's important. Have, now, I don't always do that either, Jeff. I mean, it's sometimes I just need to. What's that? Get a. I don't always get a second reader. So, um, but because uh, I because I, I produce a short one, so I'm kind of usually churning them out uh, a little bit. But I will play test them on some of my players sometimes, and and uh, I don't do that enough, unfortunately. I gotta because I, I love play testing my stuff and seeing. Um, Seeing what the players do to make my adventure better, they always do. Right. You know, they always make it better than what I had originally thought of. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Scribble, scribble, scribble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing is, I mean, conventions aren't around much. And then, you know, I don't know if there's any gaming groups like you could. It's hard to really do that. I suppose you could. I guess if you want to, you could do the roll twenty route. You could probably yeah. get people if you, if you had short adventures. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's pretty much all I do these days is roll twenty. Anyways, I'm not much of a con goer. I used to go to one convention and that was about it. And 
Um, but most of mine are on. I mean, and then gaming around here is just its own little complication uh, for my work. Uh, it makes gaming difficult because a lot of the folks I work with go go to those stores, and then I would just be working again. So I, right. so I just uh, um, stick to the online crowd, and and I get a lot of good feedback on that. Anyways, I mean, nothing will beat a face to face game. There really won't because it's just it's just too much fun and rolling real dice and. And just being able to uh, just give each other crap. <laughs> it's just the fun part and seeing their expressions and whatnot is, is just good. But Roll20 does provide a very good uh, alternative. I had a fantastic last, fantastic time last night. We were play testing somebody's adventure. And I played, and, and I've done that before too. People have asked me to play test their adventure and I do it. I, you know, if I say I'm going to do it, I try to set aside that time to do it. And I almost was going to um, develop, get a group, say, hey guys, this is my idea. And then what it was going to be is we would be, I don't want to call it a professional play testing group, but a group that if somebody needed someone to play test, they could say, hey, guys, I need you to play test this for me. Would you mind? And we would already be established as this group. Sure, let's go into yeah. this. And it would almost be like, what do you call it? A uh, focus group that some of the, like advertisers do, you know, for for different products and uh, and do something along those lines. But I just I don't I don't have the time. I I'd, I'd, like, I spend all that my time writing and I'm very greedy. I'm, I, I'm very greedy with, I don't want to give that up too much, you know, right. it's, it's really important to me, but I no, think I mean, somebody out there wants to do that. It's a really good <laughs> idea. Cause really it's kind of like a, a metatopia kind of thing is what you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. And I think there are like, if you are in certain areas, I mean, there is, uh, groups. I think, like in Texas, there was what the Gauntlet, and I think there's probably different areas where they're just large amounts sure. of, of people. And I, I'm, a, I'm also if you if you didn't have to worry about your day job, uh, uh, your hobby bleeding into your day job. I mean, you know, maybe those hobby stores would have been a, a good opportunity too. But mm -hmm. just obviously for yourself, it's like. <laughs> yeah it adds a complication into it i you know it, it's been so i don't even know the last time i had a face-to-face -face game i'm i'm thinking it's probably been close to three years now something like that are you kidding no and even that i mean i think in the past 10 years i've probably had less than 10 face-to-face -face games in all that time because I don't, there's not that many people around here to do. It. I mean, I've got my one friend Rob who's in town, but it's just being him. But we usually go on roll twenty because we're playing from other guys from different parts of the state, right. or out of state, or something like that. So, yeah, and then we don't, we just don't have the group here to to get together and play. So. You know that you know. I live in rural PA, where there's, like I said, I could tap into another resources, but then, like I said, I'm kind of mixing work with right with gaming, and I'm just not willing to do that. Yeah. So what worked for me was when we moved into town, I really was having problems getting people, but my daughter was interested in playing, mm. and then my other daughter, older daughter, had some friends that was interested in playing. So oh, I'm like, great. okay, I'll just run for some some teens. Yeah. And uh, it actually, you know, 
<laughs> of course, the early stuff was, you know, as you'd imagine, teens, you know, uh, doing, which was fine. You know, right. I just changed my expectations. and But they ended up growing up and, and being, like, really good players. Right. And, right. Uh, and then, you know, but it's evolved over time where, you know, work and school and losing some and then gain some and we lose some. But mm -hmm. uh, so I've been pretty fortunate. But, um, um, but uh, you know, but it, it it is hard, you know, to find people, especially – if you're not in a college town or, you know, something like that. Do you ever, like, since you have that group available to you, do, have you, did your, have you play tested your stuff through with them? Yeah. Uh, one module we did and I think, yeah, and I did and I changed some things. I, I really need to run it more often. It's kind of a, this, the, it's, it's a, um, in fact, I actually even gave you know uh, Luca from uh, Ultraviolet mm -hmm. uh, Grasslands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I asked him if he knew of anybody. I think I was asking for. I was asking for somebody to look it over. I can't remember who it is. He said, "Well, I don't have any time. Just give it to me." Okay, uh -huh. I give it to him, and he gives me some very. He's like, "I don't have anything going on this weekend." Yeah, I'm looking for something to do. And he he gave me some pretty solid critiques on that. Mm -hmm. And which was, I mean, it, I don't know. Have you ever, I don't, have you ever seen him on Discord? Who's that, Luca? Yeah, Rajik. No. So I don't know how, I don't know if he sleeps. So, <laughs> gotcha. no, it's, he, 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 he can output a tremendous amount of text. He outputs a tremendous amount of art. He right. puts together books, and I don't do the Discord work because Discord I find is too confused. But he's yeah, on too. Discord answering people's questions. He's going through life. He's a professional. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? Right. And then he says, "Yeah, go ahead and give this to me. I'll look it over and give you some feedback." I'm like, what? Right. What a generous person. But that's our hobby. And yeah. so, um, where's I going with this? Um, so the idea was, um, I'll just give it away. Is that you are. Crash land on a planet, and you go to this base, and it seems to be abandoned. And um, the and as you explore, there's really nothing going on, nothing going on, nothing going on. Then you get to the bottom, turn the power on, and then you find out that um, that the uh, the gist of the matter is the corporation. This plant was losing money a long time ago, and uh, it, or it wasn't making much money. It was also on a, um, a plant. What do you call it? plants that don't that don't rotate? They stay on the same facing of the sun the whole time. Oh, uh, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know. Okay, so so the, <laughs> so as it spins around the sun, uh, it's the, the the day side is always the day side. Right, right. So it's just scorched. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So in general, what happened was the um, the corporation. Uh, sold this business, or sold the business, or sold the business, and the guy finally who said, you know what, why are we putting any money into this, just freezes all the accounts and says, we're not doing any more. And nobody realized there was people there, so these people were left to die. Jeez. <laughs> because of, it's like a corporate oversight. Right, And yeah. so the, this person realized that there was, they were going to die, and they started, some people started resorting to cannibalism, so she initiated a protocol so that these servant droids would just kill everybody. Okay. 
because she's like, we're just descending to animals. This is just, this is enough right. is enough. Okay. And so, you know, and you go and you see all these scenes and all this horror and then you get to the end, you, you fire the thing up, but then it reactivates the protocol and the jewelry's at the fire back up and then you're trying mm, to get okay. back out. Right. But it's kind of, you know, solving the mystery, but then all of a sudden it's like, what's going on? And, you know, you're seeing just like these scenes and, you know, and then of course these bodies have been there for a long time. So, you know, some stuff would be in a bathhouse or the pool and it's just, you know, just gone nasty to, you know, desiccated bodies and other, it's, and then the idea is that, you know, you could have vents that uh, people could try and, you know, go from room to room. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a fun adventure, but I mean, it's, it's okay. It just was, but it was. You can say it's a good adventure, Jeff. It's okay. No, I mean, it's, 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 it, it's a fun idea. Here's what I'll say. Uh -huh. Uh, the people I ran for enjoyed it. That makes it a good adventure. <laughs> so just leave it there, Jeff. Don't just, just leave it there. If they enjoyed it, you, you wrote yeah, it. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I did maps and, I mean, did the whole nine yards. And, yeah. You know, but it's kind of funny because you're trying to think of, you know, the idea of putting players in, say, an impossible, in a seemingly impossible situation, but then you also want to provide all sorts of things that they can interact with, right? you know, to to be able to think of non-standard ways of handling, you know, an onslaught of zombies. I mean, it's or, the best or, way. Or yeah. You, you're, 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 you're presenting a horrible situation, but no solutions, you yeah. know, but there's, but possibilities and then yes. it's up to them to kind of explore those and create whatever they want possibilities. Yeah. No, that's a good adventure, Jeff. Well, yes. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the, the thought is, the thought is, I think good. It, it's okay. It's and I'm not, oh, I'm not bad mouthing. Couldn't, it. couldn't leave it alone. Couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, it, the idea is good. Uh, you know, the execution's fine. I'm, I, I'm fine with it. But it's, it's. But anyway, uh, I'm not sure why I brought this up. Um, this, this is the big, this is what you're doing is the hardest problem with writers. It really is. Just one, you know, having that confidence to say, you know. You know, I, I wrote wrote a good adventure. You might, yeah, it doesn't have to be the best, but you wrote an adventure where people had fun. That makes it a good adventure. Yeah, but I mean, of course, I was running. The, the, the question is, though, I was running it. Now, the question is, yeah. would you grabbing it, taking it, look at that, be able to also be able to run a good adventure? Oh, hell yeah, I'm a good DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See how easy that was? <laughs> so it's not my fault if it's bad. If yeah. you run this, it's bad. It's not my fault. It's exactly. you're a good GM. You can make it. You can make it. You can't be responsible for crappy GMs. You just can't. You just, you know, you wrote your, you write your perfect adventure, and if they mess it up, that's on them. Yeah, and you know, you know, I've, I've, I told you about I get a crazy idea. Uh, so <laughs> it's um, the um, picture. I'll, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll send you the module, but. There was a um, a crater lake in Canada. It's a giant crater lake. Okay, I know which one you're talking about, actually. Yeah. I so, so I ended up tracing that, and it, it became um, it became part of the cover art. Was that uh, uh, was that art? But anyway, I'll send it to you later. But anyway, um, so there's a lot of things going on. But I, I think the main thing is I had to I had to publish it. So it forced you me to write to. it. I just had to. So yeah. and it got done. So are you, thinking, are you thinking about doing any more? Because I think, because your zine quest is more of a, it's more of a toolkit kind of, right? Or, yeah, or so does it, it's not, it's not an adventure. Does it no. have an adventure in it? No. no. Okay. All right. 
I'll, I'll probably would I'll probably never do a standard adventure ever again. Right one. Okay. Not not to say. So what I will probably do. So the next one I'm doing is a post-apocalyptic, and there'll just be some strong, uh, a lot of hooks. Right. So, okay. And then the, the one after that will probably have a dungeon and some stuff in there, which won't necessarily have to be something that players need to uh, attack, like they're looting the place. Right. But it, there will be some locations, and there will be a city, and there will be people, and there will be hooks for that. Mm-hmm. But I probably will never, probably will never write a standard adventure again. Gotcha. But not that I'm a bitter. I'm just saying it's just, it's just, I probably won't do that. I'll probably be more apt to, to create situations and then let people figure out what they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair enough. And a lot of people like that stuff. I mean, I, I bought like, I don't know, $50 worth of cards that were just cards with hooks on them for crying out loud, you know, just because I like that stuff too. You know, so it's helpful too. That's that, yeah. that kind of thing sometimes is what I use to start an adventure. And I mean, that's what hooks are for. Well, and you know, we, we didn't go through this, but I mean, a lot of the zine quest uh, stuff that I bought was just really grist for the mill. And that's, mm-hmm. I think like you, it's like, you know, before I buy RPG products to, to use only, only to say I want to use this and run this, but now I'm looking, you know, at these products more of like, what can I get out of this for other things? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've got, I don't know, a handful of toolkits and solo, you know, ones, and I think those are I bought those just because I, I want something out of them. I mean, I bought some adventures and everything, but I'll get something out. Of, I can get something out of pretty much anything. I mean, I get something out of. What did I just buy that uh, candle keep mysteries? I mean, even though it's kind of the Disney world of, uh, you know, adventures, I'll still get something out of it. It's, it's not my style, but I'll get, I'll, I'll still read it and find some value in it. So if, in fact, the, the post-apocalyptic um, zine I'm doing is uh, largely from um, Kevin Crawford's other dust which is his post-apocalyptic one. So that combined with uh, some mutant year zero. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. I've been, it's great that you're doing that because I've always wanted to do or play in a more post-apocalyptic world. I just, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a fallout junkie, you know, video game junkie for fallout. I mean, that's, I will buy, like I bought my Xbox one just because they only did fallout four on Xbox one. And I'm like, so, so why aren't you running or writing for the post-apocalyptic? I don't know. I mean, I think about it a lot. I kind of go back and forth on it. I ended up buying this Christmas uh, that Fallout RPG, but I guess it's not really an RPG. It's more of a... It's I, the miniatures miniature rules that they kind of massaged a little bit. Yeah, I read it and it's it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the official one's coming out later. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was very because I got my copy and I'm reading through this and I and I didn't know what was wrong with it. I'm like, this just doesn't jive. And then when she told me it was a miniatures thing, I'm like, 
Ah, so okay. you, it, once you have the miniatures game and you want to play the miniatures, but you say, you know what, I just would like to add some chain mail to my, or maybe a little like brown, well, I can't, I'm messing up with my D&D, but right. you know, it's not advanced D&D, it's not the, you know, BX, but it's the pre whatever to play right. with your miniatures, you know, it's like, well, it's not quite right, but <laughs> kind of is a little bit little teaser of what's to come or what's yeah. well yeah the, i mean they're going to go with the 2d 20 system for that where the oh, miniatures right. i don't know what they're doing yeah i know i don't know i didn't i didn't because after i found out i'm just sort of like uh i bought the dice too the dice were expensive but of course they had cool dice and i'm like oh i gotta have those if i'm gonna play fallout yeah <laughs> what you can <laughs> normally do is a lot of times we'll have an app if you really need to but yeah the the dice is fun. The, you know, people will uh, will rail, especially with Star Wars, just rail about the dice. But but sometimes you need to do weird stuff with the dice to get them to do the stuff you want them to do. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So so like with the uh, with Star Wars, it so normal when you do dice rolls, it's one axis. It's pass or fail. Oh, right. right. Okay. So that has another axis where it's something good happens, something bad happens. Right. So it's like you succeed, but. You fail, but you know, right kind of thing, yeah. And what's weird is they got the triumph and despair when those things come up. So a lot of times dice will cancel each other out, but then there's certain big things that do not cancel out, and they roll, they roll, and it's mm -hmm. you know it's happening. <laughs> it's it's getting it on. Yeah. yeah, I mean all of a sudden, okay, you roll that, Darth Vader shows up. You know, good luck. You you pick the lock, but Darth Vader's here right now. Good luck. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, just you know, you can start figuring out what your new character is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I, I I keep thinking about doing a small like for my Comor Forest thing. What I did for like Hunters and Death, I was almost thinking about doing like a small hex crawl setting for a post-apocalyptic world. And I and I don't know. I always bat around that idea, but I just never sit down and do it and i can't tell you why i don't because i think i would love doing it so i mean I would love so it. so you've only how much of this world have you mapped of my comor forest yeah because you're only doing the forest right so i'm you're only talking well, about I've, how i've got i've got the four but i only have the southern tip of the forest kind of mapped out um and then i have a city mapped out and a couple villages and homesteads, but not a lot, not a ton. So, of it. so you could just put this in a remote area, at the and then you can still make it post-apocalyptic, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, no, I know. It's, I could, I could just. It wouldn't take much to do it because I, I could map it out fairly easy. I guess I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I how to draw post-apocalyptic stuff. I'd have to probably just go on there and find one of those apps that can do one or something well but the thing is is you don't really even have to i mean you could have it so far out like it could just be that they start finding artifacts but you don't ever tell them exactly you know this is that right oh yeah it's, yeah yeah you can christian walker has one that he kind of runs it's called gath but it's set in kind of post-apocalyptic uh um California and I don't know I think it's from 40 years from now and he just does such a good job he's just got a nice mixture of uh, um, fun and dread and just like uh, uh, messages of of uh, 
like on today's society mixed within you know his his post-apocalyptic setting that he has and it's just he just does he doesn't even do a big map he just kind of does location and he does another location and you just kind of go through through there and uh, it's it's just sort of a fun thing that he does every once in a while they're just one page uh locations and uh i my character is this guy i always like playing his his name is he doesn't he's he's the he's the priest with no name he's kind of like you know clint eastwood the cowboy with no name kind of thing he doesn't have a name but he's the he's a worshiper of the great and biber and what he does is he he drinks a lot of booze, he shares stories, and he collects stories, and that's basically what his whole gist is. I mean, he still defends himself a little bit, but for the most part, that's not the goal. The goal is just to kind of find find stuff and be inspired by stuff and and uh, appreciate life in one way or another. And and it, it that character kind of interacts with his post-apocalyptic world very well, and we have a good time. When we do, we haven't had a chance to play for quite a while, but this was a good juxtaposition of the two, the character compared to the setting, right? You know, kind of thing. And I'd, and I'd love to have a, you know, a Mad Max slash Fallout slash whatever, you know, kind of setting going on. I think it would be fun. But um, like, I uh, forget the name of the system, but there's a post-apocalyptic. Uh, I forget the name of it. But anyway, they have I think called the Lilac Towers is one of the adventures. Okay, it's free, and but you could just put that in there, and you know and these are uh, abandoned, um, the like a hotel. This is right. what it is, and not tell anybody that's what it is. Well, you know, one of the ones I don't know if you got. I think you got it too, Jeff. The Megas. Let me see if I can. The vast. You got the vast and the dark, didn't you? Yes, I think so. Let's see. So that There's one, the the vast and the dark exploring ruins yep. in an infinite world. That one's a toolkit for generating massive ex areas to explore. Brutalistic mega structure ruins. I was thinking when I read that, I thought what would be kind of cool is you know, do a twist on the post apocalyptic, but not have it a a, a, a uh, human apocalypse, but an alien apocalypse, and you are human explorers that have discovered this planet that has been you know so you're basically exploring the ruins of an old civilization civilization that you know this devastating thing happened on too and that that kind of just and i and i thought gosh just imagine if it was just like this whole civilization was just building these mega structures and you know you had sort of like no man's lands in between or you know you always get your ideas going with it but yeah but that that's the first thing i thought of when i saw that vast in the dark that's what went through my head yeah there's a uh so i forget the name of the product but uh, uh for numenera they have something where you can go explore these like large ruins it's got means for generating uh but man it's just such a mess and it was just junk and whatever i came up with just was nonsense so oh, i'm really? kind of hoping that this actually is a useful product <laughs> uh, i'm sure will be yeah i mean i don't know i can't remember who's doing it but i'm actually i mean all the zine quests that i have i'm, I'm really looking forward to every single one of them i really am i'm, I'm uh, ex excited to get each one i mean i want to really the problem is i hope i don't get them all at the same time because then i'll get overwhelmed and then i then i won't i'll just 
I want to be able to get into one for a little while before I get my new shiny. Right. <laughs> you know, if you get too, too many shinies at once, you don't know which one to pay attention to. So have you heard of the planet Eris Gazetteer? No. I don't I'm going so. to copy if I can. Uh, see if I can. I'm not sure how to share. If you just look up, uh, I can't copy and paste. It's planet and it's E R I S. Okay. And the Gazetteer. Okay. I see. So, so it's it's kind of both great. And it's also there's some some issues, but basically it's a planet out there by Pluto, okay. but there's another sun that gets captured, and so it's really set to be um, post-apocalyptic in a way that in on this world there is um different they, they do the hyborian thing or hyperborean okay. thing yeah. where you have the not this the not this the not this but then but they also have other planets and the other planets are weird or you can go to earth and it's a post-apocalyptic um that's a kind of a fun fun uh book um i i it's it's really a pretty fun uh, oh that's not bad either yeah Little silver, silver. Okay, for them. Oh, it's only silver. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a that's a crime. Well, it's one of those things, you know. Writers are we're the word sometimes the worst ones to advertise yourself. I mean, there's a few guys out there that have no problem advertising themselves, and guess what? They all do well. Yeah. So I mean, it's just one of the, uh, self promotion for these writings, and just such a tough thing for folks. It is tough, and I and yeah. I. I don't like it. I mean, I sometimes I just don't, I don't like doing it either sometimes, but it's one of those things where if you're going to write it, I guess in my head, the way I justify it, like when I did my Kickstarter, I wanted to get as many pledges as I possibly could because that was going to determine how much I paid my guy. So the more I got, the more I could pay my guy. So, right. you know, in a way, I guess it justified it that I was actually doing it for them, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 forbid. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. But it, it, what, I mean, that's kind of, it helped me motivate me to kind of do it more. It's like, I, you know, I want to pay at least the guys at least this much, you know, I just need to get a few more and, and uh, you know, a few more pledges and I can pay them this much. And, but I did, I didn't want to put the burden on the play. I didn't want to say that to the pledge guys and say, Hey, if you do this, I can pay my guys more. A lot of folks are doing it these days. And I'm just, I, I you know, that's fine if you're going to do it, but I just didn't want to do it that way myself. And, uh, um, and luckily I had enough support that I was able to pay my guys a little bit more than I expected. And well, what I'm thinking about doing is, is if I get to the point, what I'd like to do is where I just either partially, uh, that will be paying people. Maybe mm -hmm. it's myself. It doesn't for writing. I'm thinking about doing like, you know, everybody here is 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 getting paid three cents a word. But if it funds at this, everybody gets paid four cents a word or yeah. whatever. And I, I think though that people are more apt to do those types of things when they see that it's actually directly helping a writer. Even though it's like, even though the person may be writing it, I think it mm -hmm. helps them to visualize, you know, what that does. Yeah, absolutely. It, it 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 makes the situation concrete for them, you know, so they can. Um, uh, it's it's just not this behind the scene things. When you're throwing out three cents, four cents, they all understand that per word. 
kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. And and I think you'll find the, I mean, I don't know how much you've reached out in the uh, community, but there's a lot of people who are very generous with their time and you know ability. I mean, you got you know you've got the ins with air, you know, with tank cars. So sometimes you can if you put out a product, you you always knock on his forehead and said, "Hey, Eric, you know." Oh yeah. No, uh, he's been amazingly generous this this mm -hmm. time around. I think um, as far as being an outsider, so to speak, like Tony, I think's been he's probably the only one I, I would say that's probably been comparable as far as having people on his podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, he was. But curious. but Eric has been, you know, it, it really he went on fire with this. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. I was surprised. Yeah, he was doing what like. A, at least a couple of days for a little while there. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's, I don't know how he does it or how he did it, but um, well, he's retired and you know that helps. So <laughs> you know, it, it cut into his tavern time a little bit, but yeah, he did okay. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like I, I don't know if I said something to him or not, but it's like you know, I'm wondering if he's cannibalizing. You know, there's a point where it's like i don't i don't listen i don't watch all the ones now because there's too many of them i just you know mm -hmm. i you know the problem is i listen to a lot of different podcasts and if all of a sudden i've got you know 12 hours of one person banked up in a week it's just like no it's just i can't no exactly yeah but i mean at least if, if it gets it out there maybe you don't listen to it but maybe five other people do right it's not mm -hmm. for me i mean they're yeah. right there's people who may just that's what they may maybe the main thing they listen to is 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 mm -hmm. uh, tanker's tavern so because i listened to well that's actually where i got to know you from when he interviewed you for the oh, okay that's where i originally uh or initially you know kind of learned who you were and what you were about and and whatnot and then i think we got to know each other a little bit better on the, the the group and everything um but uh yeah i mean having eric do those interviews with you or even putting him on your on his uh blog is just worth its weight in gold in a lot of ways because it just gets he just reaches a lot of people um and and just getting other guys to do them i, I mean it's a really good idea to have some folks again like if you if you know luca and you you know he, he likes your stuff and everything ask him hey if i send you a, a preview copy would you mind doing a review or just a short thing for me to get it out there yeah and most guys will be heck yeah i'll do it you know yeah and i think the thing is is you know it's it's such a small hobby and 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 everybody in this for the most part are they love it right because luca's doing it because he loves this exactly yep you know, it's not like, you know, trying to, um, you know, get a hold of somebody that's like a, a Brad Pitt or somebody like that. That's like a movie star that's <laughs> real famous. But it's right. just like, you know, you know, it's like, no, this is just, you know, a person who gets just excited about RPG products like I do. Yep. Yep. And then he gets like a free one in the mail and it's like, whoa, you know, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I'll do this. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, I try to do that. It's like, I know the what I should do, but, you know, following through with it is a whole different matter. Well, so, so I've done, I've been doing photography for, for photography for a while. Mm -hmm. um, did some art stuff. It was so, so worked out fine. Uh, the thing that's really worked for me has been the um, doing commercial photography only because I fell into a particular group. Okay. So I do did some very specific uh, commercial photography. But what I realized for doing portraits and such, um, 
you know, to be successful, you really need to have a good marketing. And then you also need to have a, an ability to have products like, uh, you know, like books and, you know, various knickknacks that you can upsell. Right, right. You know, and there's a, and in my prices, I, you know, my prices are reasonable, but even with friends, I sometimes just have a problem. <laughs> I still discount. Right, so, right, right. you know, it's like to really be a successful photographer really is more about the things that are not about photography. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, so I think the same thing here, it's like, you know, it, it's one thing to throw out a few things here, a few things there, but and to really sell it, it takes, it, it takes sometimes a, a, a lot of energy that some people it's not much work at all, but for other people it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. For me, when I expend energy, like when I expend energy on my writing, I feel like I get filled back up. You know, it, it re, I get re-energized at the same. When I do that work, my energy goes out and it's gone. It does not come back from that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it just evaporates into the void. So, but I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this for fun. Originally, the reason why I started it, and it still is, is so I can buy other books. I mean, if I, I make money writing adventures so I can buy other people's adventures. It's just, that's, I like, that's what I like doing or, but like, if somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, Tim, I really liked your last adventure. I, I'm, I can't get into this one. Sorry. Da, da, da. Send me your, send me your address. I'll, I'll just send you one. You know, I'm not, I, if I don't make five bucks on it, I don't, I, it's okay. Right. You know, I, I would rather it's, it's better for me, better for my own soul. Like if someone really liked it, but they're just having a hard time. Like I had a bunch of folks during, um, uh, COVID that had to back off the Patreon because they weren't able to, you know, they had to cut back just because, you know, cost right. the thing. Life. And, yeah. Life happened. Well, I, I mean, yeah, you know, and I just kept sending them the stuff. I, Cause I, you know, if they, if right. they pledge level, they, I would send them stuff. Well, I'm, I just, I'm just like, you know, you've been a big supporter. I, I mean, I didn't say anything like this. I just kept on sending them. And they were like, Hey Tim, you know, I, I backed off. Yep. I know. You know, if you if you want to get back in and throw five dollars in, sometimes go right ahead. But you know, tough cookies. You're going to get my stuff, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, so if they backed it or not, you know, it's just because it's just gaming and it's just fun to share stuff sometimes. And, and well, and I think sometimes you know, and I think you know, and the I don't think you necessarily did it for this intention. But there's still probably also you're thinking, you know what, they may join back up again, and yeah, yeah. you know what, it's like if they, but if they don't, that's fine. Right. But you're yeah. like, you know what, I'm just going to show you that we're all we're all in this together. We're friends, you know, mm -hmm. not really friends, friends, but. And I think also as a business person, sometimes just you know that type of stuff. Even though I don't think you are doing this for a business, but that's not necessarily a bad thing to do. No, because the, the one guy finally got a job and he told me all about it. And he goes, I can rejoin. I never knew. I, I forgot he left. I just always just sent him stuff. I mean, you know, after a while, you just, yeah, you know, I just, that's, I automatically do that. I mean, there's a, when I send out my stuff for Patreon, there's probably, I don't know, probably close to 10 people. I just send it out because they just, they, they, I want them to have it or they, 
just don't have the money right now or they just uh, asked me to do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I got no problem with that because I got a lot of other people that are overly generous that will like uh, when I was doing my Patreon or for my Kickstarter, some people over pledged. Yeah. You know, just so I would do better or thank you or some guys because I've backed their um, always supported them in their Kickstarters. They threw a little extra money at me just because they, I guess it was their way of saying thank you for always supporting me or my Kickstarter kind of thing. And I mean, I always say we're still passing around the same $20 bill, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't mind it. I mean, I think there's, there with the motion, you know, you get energy from that, from the, the flow of giving and taking, even though it might be the same thing, you still get that energy from it. And uh, it helps, it helps the creative process. It's when you just kind of start when you're not moving anymore is when you're kind of creatively dead, you know, you got to keep going. Well, I think there's also something to be said that people, I mean, there is something uh, that is satisfying when somebody genuinely likes what you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a value to that, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like with the, there's some like things I have done that like, um, like for instance, there there was a uh, there was a uh, project where I went. They were tearing down a school in where I was where I lived in Clinton, and so while they were tearing it down, I jumped inside and I took pictures, and then just because you know I made a little book out of it, put it on Lulu, and I put little words with it, and uh, some people really liked it, and I guess one woman even at her funeral they had it out. Oh, I guess wow. she loved it that much. Or there's been times where I've done portraits for people. I've gone in the house years later, and then you still see those pictures hanging up. You know, yeah. you know. There's a point where it's like, you know, there's a point where you know, sometimes things transcend. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it's ink on paper. But to some people, it can transcend to something different and something very meaningful. And I think then, as a creator, when you see that somebody has um, that it has a lot of meaning to them personally. I mean, there's a point where you're like, there's a lot of reward in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't agree more. That's amazing. <laughs> like he had it at a funeral. Wow. That's fantastic. That's she loved this book and, it, and there, yeah. there was nothing that great about it, but, but, but she, for whatever reason mm-hmm. it resonated with her. Yeah. And you know, before she died and they just, they kept it out and somebody told me about it. Like, That's so cool. That is so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, then you're going to get the other way, too. You're going to have some people that uh, don't like it, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, years ago, um, I had a really, the, the one one guy just disliked my adventure, just did not like it. And, uh, but I thanked him for reading it. I said, you know, I, I made sure I commented. He, I could tell that he read the adventure. And I, I was like, you know, I'm sorry you didn't like this this one. I I hope you like the next one. Thanks for taking the time to do the, your thoughtful review. And he was just surprised that I was, um, took it as a, took it in stride. I, I didn't yeah. get mad about it or whatever. And then he became one of my, you know, for better or for worse, he became one of my biggest supporters there for a while. He was, you know, if I put something out, he supported it. Um, 
you know, I, you know, unfortunately, probably at that time, it was more like, you know, he, he genuinely liked me as a person more maybe than my adventure was good, uh, you know, at that point. But I mean, but I took you, you can take something like and that was a really positive experience for me, seeing that I, I, I had this, I had the ability or I had the as a person to take a negative and, you know, and make it a make it a positive experience and uh, grow from it kind of deal. And Well, I think the thing, too, is, um, you know, even though things are, are we do that's personal, um, the idea that somebody can give if we can be um, adult enough uh, to right. be able to accept criticism and objectively look at that criticism. I mean, that's, that's not always easy for people to do. No, it's a skill. And that's what I learned in like my fiction workshops in college, because when you wrote a story and you gave it out to people, I think we discussed this before the teacher wouldn't allow you to talk. You were, you had to, he said, assume a Buddha like silence until everybody's had their say about your story. And then you could address possibly some of the, things that were were said or whatever but you basically had to absorb what they said um without interference on your part and it taught me taught me a lot of i mean it, 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 that one taught me a lot of a lot of it because i've never had a big ego about my writing i mean if somebody says it sucks i can you know okay i got it you know all right you know but why does it suck i mean i need a little bit more than that if you're gonna just say that i, I don't right it's not very useful to me but if you tell me it sucks because um i had too many typos or i used a word wrong or maybe my plot just was just all janky or something like that that's something i can work with okay all right that makes sense and then if i get a group of people to say the same stuff then you definitely have to you know something you have to fix but um, I just know which you just have to know which of these critics you want to put energy into because you don't want to put energy to in all the critics. right because right. some of them are just out there just to to slam or just be jerks about something. Well, I think the thing is you're also evaluating who this person is that's mm -hmm. telling you this. Like, like for me, when Luca was telling me these, he's like, "Well, this is my opinion on this stuff." It's like you know what if Luca's telling me. <laughs> he's telling yeah. me this is not the way to do it. Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't matter what I feel or think. This guy's got a successful record, and he's exactly. like, you know, it's like, you know, like I say, sometimes people may not be right, but they're definitely not wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, well, if I, if I were to, you know, like maybe in all cases he's not right about everything, but if I could do things like Luca do, I would does I would be successful? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like. Yeah, so no. the same thing with this guy. Is this guy a crank or is this guy actually somebody that's gone through and, and read through your venture, thought through right. and came up with some weak points? To and it? usually when you read a, you know, a critique about it, you can tell right away whether they actually read it or not. I mean, I, I've gotten some, I don't get a lot of real negative reviews. I mean, I get my share. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely get my share of them, but usually they're mostly thoughtful reviews even if they're negative they'll they, they go into detail why and and i and it's like i can't argue with them because i know what they're talking about and i i'm not about to defend it because what they're saying is right but if, that's their experience that's their experience with it and and it's probably something that i did maybe i did like um my very first adventure 
uh, we're called Knowledge Illuminates. Some of the folks were very, um, one of the biggest complaints about it was my uh, map was too linear for them. They just, they just, it's linear, it's linear, linear. And I understood that, but it didn't make any sense to make it a weaving dungeon. It was basically an underground workshop. There's no reason to have, you know, all these different side passages and different things going this way or that way. It just. Um, so do you think that the, their critique was based on having read it only? I, I think their critique was based on their expectations of a dungeon. But, know, but they, do you think they actually ran it though? Do you think they no, ran it? No, I don't think they ran it. No. Do you think most of your 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 critiques or your accolades do you think are by people who just read it? Yes. Or do you think it's after? So. Yeah, because I, I there's only the one guy. I had one guy that just praised the hell out of it. I mean, he he got it. And he just absolutely for all the things that people didn't like about it, he absolutely loved it because of those things. So you know you'll have those. And he would always, he wrote about it all. And he was a pretty big OSR blogger at the time. And uh, he would tell me how he started his campaign using it. I mean, he, he used it like two or three times and told me like the different changes he'd make this time compared to last time or. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. He kind of basically kept me in touch with all the different uh things with with the invention that, so that's amazing so what you did is you created a thing and then the energy from it went to somebody else and it in it 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 in a uh it ended up like having an, a uh, like a, a fission reaction yeah yeah like there's more energy that came out of it than what you put into it absolutely yeah this guy like i said he started his whole campaign based this whole campaign world off of it it's just, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow, okay, you know, and and he mean what he described and what I did, and then he went, and I'm like, okay, because it's funny because I because I did the same thing. That adventure was a kickoff of one of my campaigns I started like years before that, and he kind of like I said, it it just had a small outside area map, and then it had the small workshop map, and. I mean, I think the whole thing was 12 pages long with some artwork and and uh, some easy small stat blocks, and that was it. But yet he was able to to take that and build off of it and build off of it and and create almost a tiny little microcosm all the way around it. <laughs> it's just amazing. But you know, I, I find that's what and that's what um, we'll just say good art does, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully that's what it does. Yeah, because that's something that's down because, like, a person will will see a thing, and that, this is why I really love, um, what I really love are, uh, like, what I really love is cover. Uh, I love, I love uh, covers of bands. I mean, mm -hmm. I love hearing covers of songs. I get tired mm -hmm. of the songs. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't need to hear whatever song it is many times, but. People doing it to jazz, people turning it to blues, people turning it into funk, right. people taking that same song, and I, I, I and, it, and it just keeps going and going and going into <laughs> different directions, and then all of a sudden, then maybe people start sampling it, and like to me, that is that is the height of art is where it just inspires people to take it and do their own thing with it, mm -hmm. and it's just like it just started with one thing, and all of a sudden now it's all these other things. Yeah. And you can Absolutely. both say, yeah, you can see the 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 
the actual thing, but yet it's still not the same thing. Right. You know, unless they're just doing a straight cover. I find that boring. And they just, you know, that's just no good. <laughs> right, right. They didn't do their own like unique twist. They just basically imitated what was already done. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, it, right. I mean, it's like, you know, if, if, if somebody, you know, sounds like Paul Simon and they're, and they're doing Graceland, I really don't care. Right. But if it's a if it's a it's a fourteen year old girl, you know, with a with a raspy voice with an acoustic guitar doing it, then you all of a sudden you got a, a full, mm-hmm. you know, large band playing. I mean, it just going back and forth. That to me is where it's exciting. Is that you know where you can take something, be inspired, and then it becomes uh, it becomes changed and mm-hmm. it continues, and that may actually inspire somebody else to do something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was like when I released, I got inspired by Christian Walker when he was putting his Lovatar zines out. It was just, I was like, I got to do this. And I got it because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. So I put out my first manner. And then I was really surprised by how many people told me or, or wrote in their books that they were inspired by my first manner to make their own zines. And then, you know, it never occurred to me to think that I was just trying to get this stupid little thing out and get some artwork and, and try to spell as many words as I could. Right. And, you know, make sure I stapled things together. Right. And, and, and whatnot. And then, then, yeah, it's like, it's, it's just like there for a couple of years, I was getting, you know, Hey Tim did it like uh, one of my favorite ones I didn't even know about was uh, um, what's his name? Daniel Sell from Undercroft, like his first, uh, Undercroft zine, he put me dedicated a th- special thanks to me for inspiring him to start doing the Undercroft because of the manner. I didn't yeah. know that, and it, you know, and it was just really cool. I I kind of found out by th- that by accident. Uh, even though I, I <laughs> it's funny, I I b- had bought his zines, but I never read the special thanks section. I just kept. <laughs> I read. I just read the content. I never read the the. Other, I would go to the, the the contents thing and read who wrote what or whatever. But the special thanks, I just never bothered to look at. And I just, and then like, yeah, it was a couple of years later that uh, I, th- I don't remember who, but they said, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. it's so cool when that happens. I mean, it's, it's a lot of, it's, a, it's, 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 I don't know. It's just like our, our RPG zine group now. I mean, how many people there are being inspired daily by just folks sharing stuff and, and helping other people. And I can't even keep track of how many I would like to know how many zines went out probably this year, just because we had that group that helped other people get stuff out. It'd be nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think, and I and I think what's I think the I think the greater effect's going to be uh, next year. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so too, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, there's, we're gonna. We're like knocking on the door of two thousand people. We gain, we almost gained a thousand people within, uh, you know, a couple months there. And I imagine coming next next year around Zine, I wouldn't be surprised if we're around four four thousand folks or something like that. You know, it just it seems like the momentum of Zine making is building steam again. Like it, it had a lull there yes. for a while, but right now. It just seems like there is a lot of folks that are are uh, wanting to put something out. Well, and I think you know, I think you know, people on the edge have always kind of been doing it, and I think the um, the, the OSR is probably 
I may be wrong. It may be the strongest, more recent group of people doing it. I think back in the day, I think, you know, there's Traveler, people are doing right. that. But that's true, yeah. But now I think with the I think the I think the indie movement tied in with the ability it's because really it's a very affordable way of actually producing a product. Yep. And it's very doable. And it's bite sized too, you know, you, you don't have to Yeah. You, you know, with today's technology, you can, with your home computer, you can make something look like a freaking polished product that, you know, would put a lot of, you know, some of these folks that they put, I would much rather have their zine than a polished product from Pazio or Wizards of the Coast because it's just so much more interesting to me. You know, there's a lot more personality into it. But I think even people starting out, it's like to do a 24 page zine seems. Mm-hmm. Very doable, but to right. look at, you know, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, that just seems so intimidating to fill that up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But and there's they, no, there may not be that much difference in what your, the amount of words, but there's just right. something about that booklet. Uh-huh. It's, it's just, it's just, it's and well, the other thing is you can make it. And this is why I tell people, it's like, you know, about like, you know, buying it printed. Well, I, I can print it myself. Right. You know, I, if it doesn't have heavy graphics, I can just print it. I can. I got that Score Pro. Then right. I got the. I've got the um, the Bostitch, uh, the Bostitch, yeah, uh, uh, stapler, and I'll, I'll make it. Now look at this is my bone. See how worn out. <laughs> look at how worn that is from years. It's it's like I almost got an arrow now. From that thing. Yeah. It's shiv. <laughs> yeah, ship, yeah, that's what it, yeah, pretty much, yeah, ship, yeah. Sharpened on just zine after zine after zine. Uh, yeah. The thing so is, anyway, yeah, I'm like, no, I don't feel the need. It's like it's so easy. Even if I didn't, I figured out how to, you know, you can still fold them, and then mm-hmm. you could. I, I figured out you can take a, just a regular stapler, pop the stapler open. And you just put your your zine, you lay your papers up, and put them on a cardboard. Yep. And you can push your staples right through, pop mm-hmm. them out, flip it around, and bend it, and you've got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can. You can. Anybody can do this. You don't even have to do that. You can just fold papers and then use a rubber band in the middle and just put a rubber band right there and put it on the spine. Boom. I started with stitching it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's too much of a pain in the butt for me. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I, well. I found these perfect size rubber bands for doing that one time. And I I got a whole bag of them. So when I, this was like years ago when I was doing like the, the zines with the, with, with mimeograph thing. And uh, yeah, we used rubber bands to keep the binding. Cause I mean, when I'd see the punk zines, they were using like safety pins. And like, yeah, but the, the safety oh, pins I get, but the, the rubber bands you're going to get, you're going to get dry rot on those. Yeah, well, I didn't expect anybody to read them in the last anyway. So I there could mean, be a whole box full of your of your stuff that's going to be going to some. You know, people are, you know, going to hit it big and you know, yeah. like, oh, if only if only it used something other than staples <laughs> or other than uh, rubber other, bands. All these damn rubber bands that have dried yeah. snapped on us, and I lost all the pages. <laughs> I think there was only two pages, and I think it was just a, you know, you had a cover, we had a picture on one side, and they were all just, you know what you would imagine a zine would look back in the day. I mean, it was handwritten. We didn't have a computer. So we just, it was on notebook paper and, and well, just- even at work, uh, I take 
printer paper, fold it in half, and I don't staple it or rubber band it, but I make a booklet out of it. And yeah. that's what I use for my notes. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mean to oversell, but that five and a half by eight and a half is absolutely my favorite format of all time. It's just, it, I, it's just so useful. Yeah. In every day, even just everyday usage, it's just like, in fact, even even if I'm not going to make a little booklet, I'll I'll still fold the paper in half and start writing notes rather than ever using a full sheet. Yeah, I mean, for Ivy, she when uh, she wants to do her cooking cooking stuff, or she wants to, I make her zines, and then I'll I'll stylize them for the season because she likes colors. So I'll get the the yellow um, cardstock for summer and find like a flower picture or something put it so i have a customize her own like note note uh zine cart for her and everything and she always i did like a four halloween oh, ones with orange. the orange covers and some fun cartoon black art uh cartoon or halloween figures and she just loves doing and i love making the zine so it's just sort of fun so what i think would be cool is if you had a cricket you could cut out from the front cover Mm-hmm. And you could have like a different color underneath, or you could do some really interesting things. I was thinking about that. You mean, are you talking about those those die cuts that like Joanne Fabric sells or something? Yeah, because like uh, I was going to do that with. They have like just a simple circle one where you could do that. The problem is, that I found for me is like it didn't go far enough in the paper. I kind of wanted it to be in the center, and it doesn't go far enough. It's not made for that. It's only made for like the edge cuts or something. No, no, I mean. They have it's like a printer, but instead of a printer, I think I've not really seen, but they, it's got an exacto knife instead. Oh, and okay. then you can program in your shapes and it will cut them out. Oh, oh, so you could do some really, you could probably do some pretty interesting things with books. What's, it, what's that called again? I think it's called a cricket. Uh, let's see, I might have okay. to get a new toy. I don't know if I've seen Yeah, I do a, a C-R-I-C-U-T, Cricut, oh, maker oh, machine. Gotcha. I've probably seen them and never knew what they did. Cricut. Okay. That seems like a Joanne Fabrics thing, doesn't it? Am I wrong? Yeah, but that's but it's but you can you can cut all sorts of things with it. You oh, cut vinyl okay. with it. I see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no, Jeff. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you could probably even do cool stuff. You could probably cut out your pieces of paper. Yeah. You could put them put them down all over top of your uh, sheet. Then you could take some rattle can paint and go and pull it off, just like it's stenciled. You could right. probably do all sorts of fun stuff with that. Uh, I think you just cost me some money there, Jeff. <laughs> better sell some more. Better sell some more product. No, I think it, it also they've they got a mud <laughs> crust too. Sell, I, is, is that like put stencils on a mug or something like that? No, it. I think it actually uh, it creates a. I don't know if it creates a sticker. That goes in and heat presses it onto a mug. Gotcha. So you can put it on any mug, and then it will you'll do its thing, and then uh, you print oh. a sticker out and cut it and, and oh. adhere it to your mug. I'm 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 still on this crick cut. I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of like that because I've been kind of wanting to do something like that for a while, like you just said, and 
and I and I looked at those die cutters there, but they were just basically they, they just weren't what I wanted. But this, okay, I'm gonna put that somewhere where I don't forget it on my list. There, I'll have to see do some do some. I got a I got a birthday coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Put the police letter hint at that one. Uh, maybe that one over there. Yeah, that's a good. Thanks for letting me know about that one. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sir. So, well, I think once we start talking about crickets, I think it's you are. Like, yeah, sir. As soon as we started mentioning Joanne Fabrics, we were done. Where we, <laughs> <laughs> we were out at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like me the other day. I'm like, I'm listening to Helen Reddy. What's wrong? I must be old. <laughs> Oh, come on. Helen Reddy. Hear me roar. Yeah. So anyway, well, we hit the time space continuum. We'll uh, we'll call it a a night here. All right. That sounds good, Jeff. Again, thanks for uh, posting the show. Appreciate it. I I enjoy these things. Yes, me too. And yeah, have a good night. You too, Jeff.